Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Oh, good morning. Sorry I'm late. I was dealing with a little bit of a small crisis. That is okay. We are, Our, you know, riding it as it comes today, that's for sure. Our belt um, or our treadmill broke. Sick child home. Your what broke? The belt for our treadmill and it for my son. It's the sensory. It's the sound. It, it runs nonstop all day long. Oh, and it's his, oh, he it, likes the sound. He likes the sound. He loves to run on it. I got it for myself because it's one of those cool ones. It was free at a garage sale where it does the inclines and everything. And mom laughs at the minute yeah. she got in the house, and it's his. And so I am trying to rig temporarily a new belt so I can order one. Gotcha. That is, yes, feels like a crisis because how do you explain that this happened and it's out of your control? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it happened last night, and he wouldn't go. He didn't go to bed till six o'clock this morning because the sounds weren't there, things weren't out of place. Like, oh my lord! Oh boy! Yeah. That's. I just had to restart our TV to see if I can get Frozen to play. All right. Frozen. It's when she gets a cold. It's the go-to. Uh, I've got. You know they're making a third one. Yeah. A what one? Third one? They're making a a third Frozen. That sounds wonderful. Honestly, I really enjoy them. Um. Yeah. She woke up with pink eye, so she's home. Oh, poor thing. Comes out of nowhere. She just hits you. It's uh. Yeah. So we've we've already been to the doctor this morning and the pharmacy this morning and done all kinds of stuff. So she knew that this would be a time where she can just chill and eat lunch in front of the TV, which is very special. While I do my show. You know, the one thing I like about Frozen, it is one of those cartoons that is designed for parents kids, but not just boy, girls, but boys like it too. Absolutely. My son used to watch it. He's sort of outgrown it at this point, but he definitely used to watch it. And um, like, I really enjoy it. <laughs> I my cried my eyes out at Frozen too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, when, uh, is so niche for anybody listening those of us that have to endure frozen um when um Christoph says like my love is not fragile i just cried <laughs> yeah you know and the sad part is and we're going a little off topic but you know yeah would we this whole cancel culture and getting rid of the princesses like elsa there's so many messages in those stories that are so important to teach our kids. It's not about it's honestly they know, can try. 
the damn go anywhere. It's, yeah, they might change. It might not be so much of like the Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Damsel in Distress, but I think that the princess stories to some extent will always exist. Right? Storytelling is, is, especially for children, how we learn, how they learn. And kind of like figure out how to incorporate ideas. So... No, there'll always be storytelling. Um, but it's so, sad. yeah, totally off topic though. <laughs> um, today, I know we were going to talk about goal setting. Uh, and for anybody listening, uh, in the Facebook group, I did put up that goal setting sheet. Yes. I, saw I that. think it's actually a PDF link because I wanted to make it printable, right? So that like, because sometimes if it's an image, it doesn't really print right and that kind of stuff. So I did it, I believe, as a PDF link, and that way it could be printable, actually usable. Um, right, and that's the whole like that's the whole thing. It's like ideas are great, but then like you need to be able to execute them and actually use it too. Otherwise, kind of what's the point? You know, that's that was it. the whole it, like, yeah. You can't execute it. It's just an, another resolution that you never follow through with. Yeah, I was listening to something, and they described it as like motion versus progress, and like motion is where you're just like continually learning, not really doing anything with the information. So it's like. You've learned all about goals. You've learned how to make goals. You've read about other people's goals. And then progress would be like taking your own goal and then taking steps towards reaching it, right, so that you actually aren't just absorbing information about it. You're actually doing something, the doing component. And that's where I feel like a lot of people get, like, kind of stuck or fall off when it comes to resolutions is that that space between like what takes you from motion to actual like action and progress um and a lot of times like that's where you need help and like we're i feel like we're taught to try to do everything on our own so much and not reach out for help i don't know at least personally and then um it's not a failure to reach out for help, especially when you're trying to start something new or obtain something that's new and different. Like that help can make all the difference, right? Of just either like having accountability or having somebody to bounce ideas off of or having um, somebody to like, like, yeah, bounce ideas off of, but that also has a background that can help you troubleshoot, right? Where they've seen this, you know, thousands of times you're looking at it for the first time, that experience and expertise uh, can make a really big difference in your ability to reach the outcome. It's like you don't need to recreate the wheel and try 17 different solutions because this person's already seen people do that and can tell you what's probably going to work best for your situation. Um, that's where actually like um, – the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force came out with guidelines, I think it was last year. I think it was either the beginning of 2023 or the very end of 2022, where um, they were specifically looking at, like, obesity and weight management, and people saw the best results when they had some sort of right? Either, um, and I think the way that they term it is, like, counseling for behavior change, right, to get, like, clinical about it. Um, And it could come, and they say in there, like, it could be a dietitian, it could be a therapist, it could be a health coach, it could be, like, somebody with background knowledge on health and behavior change, right? And it's really whatever fits best for that person, like who they connect with is what made the difference um, to help them actually reach their goals of losing weight to have a health impact 
um, and, you know, live longer, really, at the end of the day, is what you're looking at, is to have a better quality of life and to perhaps live a little bit longer. You know, you talk about, you know, how a lot of us issues asking for help. And, you know, the biggest misconception is that men have a hard time asking for help. But I truly believe women have a hard time asking for help, especially moms. Yeah. Because we are expected to do everything. And we ask for help when, you know, kids are little and we start in this thing and dad and I'm, this is my experience, so not all dads are like this. But, yeah, I'll get to it. 20 minutes later, yeah, I'll, I forgot, sorry. And you just stop asking for help because you know you're not going to always get that help. And it's so easy. It's interesting, right, when you're married, you have that person that you expect to be your, like, your help right like you're there together doing it together and I've had the interesting experience of like I have to ask for outside help every time I need help so it it's always somebody and like there's always the potential that they're going to say no right which is fine like that's their boundary to set and that's something that like I've had that conversation I'm like I can ask you for help but I please feel free to say no. You're just like, you know, the first stop on my list kind of a thing, right? Um, but, yeah, like, it, it's different because, like, I can't ask for just, like, a spur of the moment, like, hey, can you grab this for me? Or, like, hey, can you take out the garbage? <coughs> it's a lot more planned, um, which has been different. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't have that bitterness or, like, disappointment in a partner because there's – the, the expectation is different. Like somebody knows that they're coming over to like, yes, I'll feed you and we'll hang out, but I also need help like folding my laundry or um, getting the kids showered, you know? So it's, it's changed like the communication around asking for help, which has been really, I don't know, I guess I'm finally realizing how different it is from when you have like a live-in partner. Right. But, you know, too, a lot of times it's easier for us to do it ourselves and overwhelm ourselves yeah. than to oh, yeah. ask for help. Because then we, it just gets done. <laughs> and we don't always have that patience. Yeah, it's just, to it just gets done. Wait for someone to help us. Or like, the goal of I actually actually just did a podcast episode on this with a friend on like a parenting podcast. Um, the goal is to reduce the mental load, right? Like you're asking for help to reduce the mental load, but if you have to go back and check to make sure it was done, you're really not reducing the mental load. You might as well just do it yourself. And so that's how we end up trying to just do everything. What are some tips or yeah. suggestions to be able to do that? It's it's a lot of open communication and uncomfortable conversations, right? And like, like it's it's it comes down to communication, right? I mean, neither of us are parenting experts. We just have two very different household situations and. Um, yeah, of communicating what is the overall need for the family and what are the expected roles. And that way you end up with an actual partner, not another child. Yeah, it was an interesting, interesting discussion. And I can put that up and link it on the Facebook page too. It was a really interesting discussion that we had about just like, how to set priorities and figure out what's most important and then talking through, you know, regularly, right? It has to be this ongoing conversation of who's taking care of, of what, like how to stop, look around and 
not just look at what's happening in the current moment, but what are we preparing for? Like what's happening in an hour that we might need to be getting ready for now and like that kind of thing. Um, I've gotten way off topic and deep into parenting rather than goal setting, but it was about asking for help, which which can help with, which is important when you're looking to make big changes with your goals. And one of the things that I always start people with is asking like, what's your goal? Where do you want to be? And, and it's interesting. Typically, right, as a dietitian, I hear like that they that they want to lose weight or lower their cholesterol or um, like lower their A1C, so like their, their blood sugar numbers and stuff, right? And those are good <laughs> because those all have like a distinct number that you can measure attached to them, um, right? Like I love it when somebody's like, oh, I just want to be healthy. I love that for you. How do you measure it, right? Like, what would tell you that you're healthy? And it might not be a lab value. It might not be a number on the scale, but we still need to pick something to measure by so that you know whether or not you're successful. Um, So it might be that you're measuring by, like, um, these are what I call, like, non-scale goals. You might be measuring by how much weight you can lift or how far you can hike or, like, how much energy you have. That's a little bit subjective, but it can still work. Or, like, feeling of how much energy you have rather than being, like, sluggish and tired and run down. Um, my favorites are when people are, like, I want to hike this certain mountain and then, like, can build up their endurance and their strength and do that. And as a side effect, they end up also losing the weight. Um, but a lot of times, especially when it comes to weight loss, what really happens is, yes, that's your goal, but when we break it down, your goal needs to be some habit changes, and then weight loss becomes a side effect, right? And I feel like this time of year, right, with New Year's resolutions, a lot of people have those weight loss goals or this goal to just be healthier. So really defining what that means for you personally to be healthier, um, it can be anything. As long as it's something that you can look back and say, yes, I'm working towards this and I've made progress, or you know what, no, I haven't, and I need to change something else again. So um, another one with, like, eating healthy, sometimes it can be broken down into, like, eating regularly. So... Um, meal timing and spacing is huge and can make such a difference. And it seems so simple, right? It's a really simple concept, but it's not necessarily easy to execute. Um, Like I know for me, breakfast has become really difficult. And so one of my goals that I'm working on is finding a different high-protein, easy breakfast to make sure that I don't skip it. Right? I'm feeding my kids and then forgetting to feed myself. It happens a lot for moms. So the first part of goal setting, right, they want to be, you want them to be smart. And so S for specific, right? So get healthy could become eat three meals a day, or it could become five miles, or it could become lose 20 pounds, or... Um, you know, lift a certain amount of weight. So something very specific that you could write out and measure how you're getting there. Because the M in SMART is, is it measurable? And you say, yes, I did this, or no, I didn't do this. You say, hey, I'm halfway there. Um, Gives you a way to track your progress and see whether or not what you're doing is working or if things need to change. I always say that there's a thousand ways to get where you want to go when people come in with like health goals or weight loss goals. There's a thousand different ways we can get there. It's really which one's going to work and what's going to stick for those behavior changes that makes the difference. Um, What works for me might not work for somebody else. 
right? Like if I find that for breakfast, I really like making these like protein mug cakes, like somebody else might think they're disgusting and never want to eat it. So that's not going to work for them. You would need a different option. Um, you know, maybe a bar works for them, or maybe there's somebody that can cook like, like eggs and make an egg sandwich every morning. Um, everyone's different. So finding something that you can measure. So like weight loss or lab values, be cut and dry, lose a certain amount of weight, or like get your cholesterol into a like healthy range or get your blood sugar into a healthy range. Those are what we typically think of when we think of measuring. We think of numbers. But you can certainly measure progress in your actual abilities too, like I said, with like strength training and how much you can lift or how far you can run or how fast you can run. Those kinds of things are measurements too. Um, you know, running and lifting is, it ties into like practicing those too, right? So working out, but your food can also make a difference. And especially if your goal is overall health, you're probably pairing exercise and food anyway. Um, so that's the S and the M. A is achievable. So is this something you can actually do, right? So uh, weight loss is a great example for this, right? Say your goal is to lose 20 pounds and you've said you want to do it in the next month. It's not going to happen. Um, average sustainable weight loss is one to two pounds a week. I think it didn't come on overnight. It's not going to come off overnight. So one to two pounds a week is considered average. I mean, certainly some people go a little bit faster. Some people go, some people go a little bit slower, but then it's usually something needs to be adjusted to get you to at least a pound a week. But remembering that what's going to be achievable, one to two pounds a week, or with like lab values, like your A1C or your cholesterol, you want to give about three months. So you might say, I want to get my cholesterol down, but realize that you're not going to see that needle move for about three months. It just takes time to see those changes. Um, so usually it's like, yes, no. Can you do that? Um, so this could be something too of like, if your goal is to like, um, run a certain distance, but you've got something wrong with your leg and you're not allowed to run according to your doctor. Like, no, it's not achievable because you need to address this other issue first. Um, so this is something that can actually be done. Typically a yes, no answer, really simple and short. S M A R realistic. <clears throat> so this is slightly different than achievable. Some of these are like little nuanced, kind of the same. You want to address each piece of this, right? Is it realistic? So like I said, this kind of is like the breakfast example, right? It could be realistic for you to eat three meals a day. It might not be realistic for you to cook three meals a day. And noticing like a little bit of that nuance, right? And that, kind, that helps guide you of, oh, you're going to reach your goal, right? That might mean like, okay, yeah, I could eat three times a day, but I can't cook three times a day. So how am I going to get around that? You know, that's where like meal prepping comes in. Or are you going out to eat for some of those meals? And that's just some counseling around how to pick meals that are going to fit with your goals when you're out to eat instead of things you've cooked at home. Um, so really determining, is it realistic? Um, so achievable is like, is this possible just as a human? And then realistic is more of how does this fit in my lifestyle? I think that's probably the best way to kind of differentiate between the two. Um, is it achievable just as a human being? <laughs> and then is it realistic? Like, does this fit my life? Um, and that one's a little bit more harder to answer. You do have to take a step back and kind of, objectively look at your life kind of you know kind of step outside of yourself and outside of the situation for a second and say like can I realistically do this right now like how much of a new routine can I develop and kind of gets into what you'll 
like the next step after setting the original goal is like the how and breaking it down into smaller steps. Where are we? F-M-A-R-T, timely. How long are you going to do this for? How long do you want to give yourself to reach the goal? And again, this is this is setting yourself up so you can actually measure whether or not you were successful um, or whether or not things need to change as you move through it, right? So what I typically do is you might have like an overarching goal of like 20 pounds, like the example I used before, but um, you're going to break that down. So say you're giving yourself a year to lose 20 pounds, I mean, plenty of time. Um, but we can use that for this example, right? So then the the SMART goal becomes that you are looking to lose weight, specifically 20 pounds, which is measurable, over the course of one year. So it definitely falls into that one to two pounds a week. You've got a number to measure by, and it's and it's very specific as to what, you're doing. So that would be like our, our SMART goal, which is great. Then how do you actually put it into action? I feel like that's where we get stuck, right? It's not like this lofty goal and idea, and even if it's realistic, it's like, okay, well, what comes next? How do I actually get there? And that's where what I typically do is help people break it down into monthly, weekly, and sometimes even like daily goals. And that's where those habit changes come in to support the, the longer lasting change. So like going with like a the weight loss idea, right? Your smart goal for the month might be to lose five pounds right? Because that falls into that one to two pounds a week. And then how you get there, you're going to change it up. Your daily goal is not going to be, or your weekly goal, I mean, it's not going to be like, okay, lose one pound this week. It's got to be an action that'll get you there. So it might be eat three meals and a snack every day or go for a walk every night. Um, Picking like an actual action item that's going to move you forward get you to that bigger goal right and that's what kind of moves us from that that like pre-contemplation stage where you think it's a good idea or contemplation where you're like all right this is kind of what I want to do to your action the action stage where you are making changes and and ultimately seeing results right and then once we start to see some results is when it becomes exciting and so we continue doing new habits because we see progress. And then it's like that positive change just begets positive change and you've got this lovely positive cycle. And this is where like what I wrote into like what I wrote into my meal planning guide and what I typically do is you pick a few things to work on every week and then check in with yourself and see how it went. Did you actually do them? What was hard about it? Um, what made it easy? Really lean into those things that were helpful and made it easy and then the stuff that was hard to see if there's either something you can change a little bit to make it easier or does that piece of the goal need to be broken down a little bit further so that it's a little bit more realistic, right? Um, So if you thought you were going to like meal prep all your lunches for the week and you're going into an office and suddenly you realize like that's not going to happen for whatever reason, it's like, okay, well, where can you go grab lunch while you're at work that is going to help you reach your goals? Um, I mean, I work with a lot of people who work for the state, and so there's a lot of places right around the state offices to go eat. Um, And so a lot of times it's just about learning then how to look at a menu and 
figure out what fits your needs for the day, whatever they might be. Um, and then so your goal for that week is find places that I can eat lunch, right? It's not it's not forcing yourself to like, okay, my goal is just to lose a pound this week. It's like, all right, cool. How are you going to do that? And so our small goals on like a week or daily basis really have to be like those actionable steps of how you're going to move the needle forward on those bigger goals. Does that make any sense? It does. Sometimes I explain things and I'm like, Um, I feel like one of those people in front of a board with like the red string trying to explain how things connect. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I swear Um, it works. The hardest part for me is like starting. How do you start? Because we have all these goals in our mind. And it keeps, it's like a rabbit hole of more things we want to add, more things. And how do we narrow that down to make it achievable? Yeah, and that's why I like breaking it down into, like, weekly and daily goals because it's, like, then you're not looking at this overall picture of, like, the losing 20 pounds. I'm just going to keep with the same example for ease, right? Like, then you're not looking at this huge goal anymore. You're looking at, like, eat breakfast, and suddenly it's a lot more achievable, right? Like, and it's just starting, starting messy, starting ugly, starting without really knowing what you're doing, it's going to feel weird, like, for my people that usually don't eat breakfast at all, if, if that's one of our first steps, I'm like, literally just something. It could be try to direct them to something with, like, a little bit of protein content from, like, hard-boiled egg, an individual single-serving yogurt. Like, start with literally something, and then we can change the behavior as you get going. But the hardest part is just action of doing it and then if you've got an established pattern of eating something every morning changing what you've chosen is way easier than like starting to eat breakfast again um so it's just start messy start at absolutely no perfection whatsoever lower your expectation from yourself right of just looking at the how so say your goal is to like get on the treadmill every morning Cool. Do it in your pajamas and your slippers. Like, you walk. wouldn't run in your slippers, but, like, you can certainly walk in them. So, do it in your pajamas and your slippers. I absolutely get on my treadmill and walk in an incline in my pajamas and slippers because that's all I have to give. Like, <laughs> that's where I'm at. It's the job done. Oh, I never thought about that. About being okay starting messy. You know, that was like my biggest thing about, you know, working out is I had to go change my clothes, put a sports bra on, work out, take a shower, change my clothes. And that whole concept, I really don't want to do all that work just to work out. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, at this point, like, half the time I'm in, like, sweats or workout gear anyway, which makes it a lot easier. Um, Just, yeah, you can go for a walk in your pajamas, and then that walk, throw it in an incline, make it a little bit harder even. You're getting even more of a workout. And then I like doing things like that in the morning because then you're done, and it's over, and you don't have to have that, like, of looming over your head of like, oh, God, I got to get this done, because that's going to affect your mood for the entire day, right? So there's other benefits to, like, doing cardio in the morning, but from a behavior change perspective, like, getting it done and out of the way is huge, um, and just got to be over. And then you have this sense of accomplishment, and it doesn't have to be long. I find that that's something else that people – hung up on they're like oh I'm gonna like you know go run for for an hour or I'm gonna go to the gym for two hours like start way smaller like get on the treadmill for like 
and 15 minutes if you're just starting. Like, better than nothing. Like, anything is better than nothing, and you can always work your way up. And you will, right? That's the whole goal of, like, habit stacking and building up these behaviors is, like, where you are six months to a year from now, if you're consistent, it's not going to remotely look like where you are today. And ultimately, that's the goal, right? Like, if you lose 20 pounds, the lifestyle that you need to build in order to get there has to be completely different than what you're doing today. But if you do a huge overhaul, overwhelming, and you're not going to stick to it. Like, it just, it does not work. You're not going to stick to it. Um, if you do these slow incremental changes, like I said, six months to a year from now, you're going to look back. You you did a huge overhaul, but you did it slowly and in a sustainable way so that the change actually lasts and that 20 pounds stays off. And the next year you get to make a new goal instead of having to work on the same goal again. Right? Because how many people are just working on the exact same New Year's resolution that they had last year that they never achieved? Yeah. I think I I'm one of those goals for last year. <laughs> but you got to do it different this year. Right? Tiny little habit changes. Start messy. Don't wait for a Monday. Don't wait for the first of the month. Don't wait for honestly anything. Start with what you got. Like I've got people that are like, oh, well, I need to go grocery shopping first. I'm like, no, you don't. Like if you have food in your house, like you can start right now. The only exception would be if you legitimately don't have any food in your house. And yes, you do need to go grocery shopping first. Typically, you can just start with what you got um, and and go from there. I feel like we get, I don't know, I don't know if we get hung up on or we're sold the idea that it needs to look nice. I have to have the right meal containers. I have to have the right lunchbox. I have to have the right water bottle. I have to have the right gym clothes. Like, my leggings I wear to the gym are easily, like, 8 to 10 years old, and I usually am wearing, like, free T-shirts I got from something. Like, it's not doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to, I mean, more or less be appropriate and functional. If you're working at a home, the bar is even lower. I saw on social media the other day um, from a, I follow a bunch of different physical trainers and he goes, potential client came up to him Told her that, or he, she told him that she she needed to lose weight before she could go to the gym because she didn't want to feel big going to the gym. So, yeah, that's that's a big hang up, and I get it, right? Like you're not comfortable going there because you feel like people are going to look at you. You're too big to be there, like there's this sort of perception that everybody at the gym is already in shape. And there certainly are people that it's like, you know, I've, I've seen things online where it's like, you've already won. You've already reached the goal. Like, why are you still here? Um, and we could get into the whole, like all the varieties of reasons to work out beyond physical fitness or like why to stay consistent and continue to work out even when you've reached your goal. But like, yeah, there is, and there is some, like, gym anxiety, too, of, like, going out and being somewhere new and different, being in, like, a vulnerable state, right, trying new things and thinking that everybody's watching you. Right. Which, and I mean, some of them may be, right? Like, I was working out the other day, and I could see in the mirror that the gym owner was watching me, and it's different because at this point I'm comfortable and he's like I'm just making sure that you're okay because it's a new weight like it was a new amount of weight for me so he was just making sure that I wasn't gonna like die right like so it's not always a judgment some of it is just depending on the atmosphere you're in that might just be part of the atmosphere of that gym is everybody's there to like kind of work together right and 
try new things together. Um, that kind of takes time to be comfortable. So for some people, working out at home is a better option at first because they are comfortable there and they can just get moving. And this is one of those, there's a thousand ways to get to the end goal of improving your health. If you don't feel comfortable going to the gym, cool, don't go. Find something else to do. Just do something. Literally something. I would have people come to me and they're like, well, I'm not going to eat kale. I'm like, okay, I don't care. Pick something else. You know, people don't realize, you know, how much like vacuuming and sweeping and cleaning like your floors is a workout. So I actually went you know, to a conference um, totally based around fat loss, and she and it has always stuck with me because this was years and years ago. She's like vigorous vacuum cleaning, and she's like I use the VV to like help remind you like vigorous vacuuming um, is one of the best things you can do for visceral fat loss. So that fat fat that lives like around your organs and it, that's the most dangerous to your health one of the best things you can do is like a vigorous vacuum cleaning of your house where you get a little bit of a sweat going. Your heart rate is not like through the roof. You're doing it for at least 30 minutes. You know, you're bending over, picking stuff up. And for some of us who are a little bit shorter, you know, just even doing dishes is a workout because you got to step on step stools to reach things on the top shelves. Put things away, step, you know. You're and so walking step around, up, your step kitchen. down action. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It all, it's all movement. And that's, I like that we've gotten to a point where a lot of people have some kind of smartwatch, right? Like an Apple Watch, a Fitbit, like these things are readily available at a price point. But because it There's shows good you ones for like 30 bucks at Walmart. You, yeah, it shows you how much you're actually doing and like how many steps you're actually getting by you know just doing things around your house. It all counts and it kind of helps show like it all counts towards your movement for the day. That's where it got me really. Don't necessarily that. have to be well yeah. I bought, you know, I started out at, I didn't know what kind of a smartwatch I needed because there's like 20 million of them out there. No. And so I started out with a cheap one and I started, you know, like it would go off after when you start doing, after you're done doing your workout. Like, and they'll tell me, oh, you just did 10 minutes. And I'm like, I just did the dishes. I didn't actually, oh, we started researching it. And these workouts actually, Started making me realize why I'm so tired by the end of the day. You're doing a lot, yeah. It's um, that's something we don't realize is how much we're really moving. And then, like, when somebody's going online and looking at like how much should I eat in a day, truly calculate it. You do need to bring in an activity factor, right? So, general equation, uh, equation that is used is called the Mifflin-St-Jure equation. And it has, like, it takes into account current height and weight. It takes into account your age. It takes into account your um, your sex, so male or female. And then it also takes into account your activity factor, right? Are you not just sedentary, but, like, are you bedridden and literally don't get up and do anything? So you're just looking at keeping yourself alive. Or are you like all the way up through like the extreme activity. So this is somebody who has a physical job, think of like a construction worker and goes to the gym, right? Like even though those, you might have somebody who's the same height and weight, same age, same, same um, sex. Like it's, it's widely different of how much they're moving, how much they need to eat. Very, very different too. Um, so there's there's actual calculations and actual equations 
should be used to determine those things. Like, um, but Googling, like, how many calories should I eat is going to give you such a huge range of information. Because there are different equations, too, for different situations. Like, if somebody's on a ventilator, there's a different equation to use. If somebody's got burns all over their bodies, there's a different equation to use. Like, it's all very, very variable. Um, there's a lot of variation depending on, like, medical conditions. But, like, for people who are listening to this show, typically you're just looking at general healthy diet and just a, a general equation for how much should I eat in a day. Um, but yeah, it, it should take into account. There's estimators, like usually it comes out to like 25 um, calories per kilogram of body weight. It's pretty like average, but to get a good actual reading, you should do the full equation to get the best picture. You know, when somebody's like, oh, well, I have a slow metabolism. I've seen it once or twice. And at this point, I've seen, what, like thousands of people, and I've seen it maybe once or twice where someone you legitimately have an extremely slow metabolism. Like they've gone and done um, different types of, like, full body scans. Um, it's not difficult. Usually, you can just get up and move a little bit more for a little bit of a walk. Um, that's enough to kind of – and then eating regularly. Yes, get up and move, but as you eat regularly, your body gets really used to it, and it gets really wasteful with your calories. So, like, so you end up eating more and losing weight. So you're not depriving yourself, and you're feeding yourself appropriately, and then, like, magically, a.k.a. science – you actually lose weight easier and it comes off and it stays off because you're not in this state of deprivation. I get so much resistance for that, especially from women, because I'm teaching them to start to eat more. Um, it works. I'm like, you have to trust the process. No, that was one thing I struggled with when I got out of the military because my exercise slowed way down. My movements in the day, slow, you know, I wasn't physical like I was. Right. On a regular basis. And a lot of us struggle with that, and then we get put that weight on very quickly because we have to retrain our whole bodies and our minds to a whole different lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, you could go and try to increase your activity so that it matches what you were doing. Or you need to adjust the intake in a way that's healthy, right? In a way that's not depriving you so that you're still fueling yourself well and you're not, like, if we don't eat appropriately, we actually kind of cause cravings more or less. And so when you start to eat on a normal schedule, right, so like every three to four hours, a lot of times a lot of cravings will go away, especially if you've got enough protein coming in, Um always an interesting thing to watch too is people are like well what about all my cravings I'm like fine like let's adjust the meal timing first and then let's see what happens right because sometimes it ends up being like emotional eating and so there's other stuff to address but a lot of times like if you start eating on a regular schedule those cravings go away because you're meeting your needs your your cravings are typically trying to tell you something and tell you that your body needs something usually food um I do have a question for you right. you know you talk about eating you know yeah. every three four hours and you know eating your meals and your snacks um dinner is it healthier to have it later in the day or earlier in the day it, it depends <laughs> um depends on when you go to bed so best to stop eating about an hour before you go to bed. So it depends what your personal daily schedule looks like. So typically if somebody's taking lunch around like 12 o'clock, you're going to eat, need to eat again about three to four hours later. So that's like typically when people are feeling like a little bit of a lull in the day anyway, around like three thirty, four 4 o'clock, right? 
So typically you put a snack there and then dinner is like six or seven. Um, staff can certainly like shift and adjust based on that person's like habits and lifestyle, right? If you're, if you're like workflow doesn't allow for like lunch until like say, I don't know, say that you don't eat lunch until two for whatever reason and your day is shifted downwards a little bit, then you might be eating at two o'clock and then dinner might be at six, but then say you don't go to bed until 11, you need another snack. Play around like nine and that's okay. Like you don't, I know that there's this perception that like you need to stop eating at like, what is it like seven or something? Um, yeah. It's like if you're going to bed at like 8.30, sure, like that works. But like I'm not going to bed at 8.30. Like that's never going to work for me. We all can dream. <laughs> yeah, I would love to go to bed at 8.30. Um, <coughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah, so it's more of, it's more based on timing of when you go to sleep and leaving that hour to make sure that you've had a chance to like digest your food and use it appropriately so that you're not like immediately putting it into storage or like if you've got any kind of reflux or reflux symptoms, right? Laying down after you've eaten can make all of that worse. So staying upright, um, either like sitting or standing is going to help make sure that you don't end up with any like any reflux symptoms from that meal. Um, or at least help uh, yeah. prevent some of them. Sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, it was a debate in our house because I always try to serve dinner at five, between five and six, and then the we'll get out of a snack before bed. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do a chance it. snack, which I swear sometimes. Oh, did Dad want to move it? I'm like, we're going to get a snack either dinner way. Well, he's thinking like six, yeah. seven, eight o'clock, you know, what later at night. So I go, so they're gonna get a snack before dinner, not one after dinner. <laughs> yeah, it just changes. They, they would just flip flop. <laughs> so go ahead and try it. You're looking at not me. My kitchen's closed before, after seven o'clock. Before we had kids. We didn't eat dinner. Um, we didn't eat dinner at like seven o'clock every night because that's when my then husband would had his break for work, right? So that's what I fit our lifestyle. Is I was I didn't want to eat dinner by myself, so I would have a snack um, around like four, and then have dinner with him at seven. Yeah, see, and I just went from so literally. Really- like a military lifestyle because we'd eat early in the morning, have lunch, and then we'd eat dinner early in the morning. And then if we were hungry, we'd have a snack. And this is where it's like there's no, like, necessarily right or wrong answer. Like, generally, it's what fits for you guys, right? And so if you yes. want to close your kitchen at 7 – then you're having an earlier dinner and you're having a snack in the evening. That's fine. Oh, and their snacks usually end up being like um, popcorn. That's, I think we've talked about this before. I do last chance snacks. And it's usually a yeah. high fat protein because it helps them sleep better. I never thought about that. Yeah. I've been doing, um, my daughter's been eating cheese, and then my son really likes poached eggs in the microwave, like his new thing. So I've been, and it takes like, I don't know, like 45 seconds to do one. So it's really easy. Um, uh, low preparation, which is definitely something that I need. <laughs> Um, that's like, so I'm actually working through my own copy of the mindful meal planning workbook. And one of the things I realized is 
I need to find meals and everything need to be extremely simple to prepare. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. Um, just not where I can put my effort right now, right? Because, like, when I'm writing out my meal plan for the week, I enjoy cooking. And I'm like, oh, I can make this or I can make this. And I'm just like, once I get to the day, it's like I don't actually have the time or, like, mental capacity to make it by the time I get to that, like, late afternoon. So that was something I learned in the first week. And so the second week, this week, I made it much simpler. Um, It's going really well. It's that learning and adjusting and kind of watching how the process goes and realizing it can be really fluid. And just because last week didn't go so great doesn't mean that it's not working or it's failing. It just means that there's adjustments to make. Copper that those like cooking pans and air fryer things that copper company they came out with a a really cool to make like boiled eggs um poached eggs and all you do is add a little bit of water put it in this little thing and it steams them and turns itself off when it's done oh that's nice yeah there's all kinds of like cool ways to use, especially like air fryers and stuff to make things. Um, uh, that's, I think, don't they usually come with like little recipe books and things or I mean, yeah. the internet's full of, of recipes. Um, which is great. Cause then I don't have to make anybody recipes. I can just go find them. Do um, them where they need to be. Right. And it's, making the eggs in the microwave, I don't have any special tools besides the microwave. I literally use an old Tupperware container that's about the right size in the base and crack an egg into it, put in a little bit of water, and put it in the microwave for 45 seconds. It's not one to necessarily buy, like, a new kitchen gadget to get something done. I typically try to work, like, within what I have, Um, although I would love an air fryer, but I don't know where I would keep it kind of what prevents me from getting one. Um, if I find them at garage sales, I'll buy one if it's cheap, just for the fact that, yeah. for me, it's teaching the kids how to cook things without burning the house down. <laughs> it's important. Very important. That's actually what I'm doing this afternoon is I teach a kid's cooking class. Um, one of the elementary schools in Albany is piloting this program because they realize that these kids go home and feed themselves and usually younger siblings too. And so I wanted to give them the skill set of how to make some really basic things and how to like learn a little bit of kitchen safety, prevent any or accidents um, so I've been doing these weekly classes for them just to bring some of that knowledge to I think they're, they're either like third or fourth grade I think they're fourth I think they're slightly older than my son um, it's like very basic stuff today we're going to do um, cutting safety so it'll be like slicing cucumbers and putting some cream cheese and toppings on them but like um, that basic stuff so nobody burns the house down. Yeah. You know, don't put water on a grease fire. Oh my gosh, yeah. We haven't, I haven't done like a full on, like, here's how to handle a kitchen fire. I'm hoping that they bring in like fire safety to do things like that, but suppose you never know. Oh, time is it. We are at 101. Yep. Um, I will. You have the Amazon link to the workbook, right? Correct. And it's in the chat or in the description of the show. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's everything I just walked through today. It is 
how the workbook is laid out. And then it's self-tracking to see how you're doing on that goal. There's even like the reflections in there. Like I was talking about how I reflected on my goals from last week. It's all built in there and prompted through the whole thing so that you, you can make those little changes get on like a better path. You know, because not everybody's comfortable like reaching out to meet with somebody, but they might be comfortable enough to buy a workbook. So, you know, meeting people where they are and still being able to help them. So as you, uh, my brain is just not working today. (laughs) Join us back here next Wednesday at noon. And we will talk more about how to live your best life, how to live that healthy life without having to rewrite the novel. Absolutely. And join us back here tomorrow at noon for Family Time with Bob Oakley. So have a good day. Have a good night. Thanks, you always, Beth, for being here. Absolutely. And bye for now. Bye.